This is the After School Show with Miss Jessica. All right. Hi, everybody. We are back with the Miss Jessica Hour. Thank you so much. Your after school show special. Uh, I'm really excited because part of this podcast is going to be uh, getting to meet community leaders and role models and some of your queer youth from across Colorado and beyond. And I'm so excited to have a very extra special guest, uh, Miss Shirley Delta Blow on the line. So hi, Miss Shirley. Hi, Miss Jessica. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. And for those of you that don't know, and I'll have her talk a little bit more, but Miss um, Shirley Delta Blow is iconic to the Denver uh, drag scene here, is definitely one of those that creates a positive environment for all of her shows, creates a lasting and memorable experience as well. And so tell, I want, tell the people that are listening a little bit about you, Miss Shirley. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, Miss Shirley, I'm just a... Uh... I'm just a big city girl with small town dreams. That's what I like to say about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Miss Shirley was born about 10 years ago um, through the Colorado Gay Volleyball Association. We did a pageant called Miss Queen of Aces. And um, drag was always something that was kind of off my radar. It wasn't something that I had you know, really thought that I would do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big and tall. And, and then I was like, eh, I just don't, don't feel that that's for me. And then I did this pageant <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. So it was, it was really a yeah. lot of fun. And that's um, one of the big things that I take away from that experience and into all the other experiences is just this idea of let's get together. Let's have a good time. Let's really have fun. Um, you know, getting, being together. So there's a Absolutely. little bit of history. Absolutely. I mean, and that's something that I feel like uh, I got to know about you so quickly. Uh, working with you at various shows, one of the things that you've helped inspire myself and so many others to think about um, before the show is to do a little show circle, but you do it very differently in the, in the context of being appreciative of the work that we're doing and how it's impacting the people in the audience. And so, uh, like, how did, did you always do that prior to a show or is that something that you started incorporating or how, do you think that's impactful to the entertainers that you work with? Um, I, so yes, I, I mean, I, I hope it's impactful in, in the way where we realize that, you know, we look at it as, you know, it's a show, it's something fun, it's something, you know, we, we work really hard at, maybe we'd throw it together. But I also think it's impactful. I hope the circle is impactful because the work that we're doing is so important because we, we this kind of buzz phrase is out there a lot, which is um, representation matters. You know, so when people see queer people, trans people, um, you know, people of color performing um, in, a, in a queer context, right? That's, that, that's an important thing because, you know, for, for me, a lot of my audience is, uh, you know, probably straight and white and, and there's a big conservative element that comes to my shows for some strange reason. Um, and I think it's important for us to, to, you know, get out there and kind of show that, hey, this is one example of what, queer people, queer culture, queer identity 
can look like and hopefully open people's eyes and minds about that. So um, I hope that that impacts really what we do from a cast perspective. Um, because I, th if I look, if I think about it, I think I always did it because it was always this, you know, fun thing we did as theater kids, we'd kind of get together and have an energy circle and really kind of pump ourselves mm -hmm. up. And yeah, yeah we, and we, we would take that out into the professional world, you know, and then um, I, I want to say that it was, it was really important for me. I know I did it in a, I started doing it in a different way after the, um, shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando be because there was a part of me that was, I mean, we were doing it like the, the, the next, the next day or the next week. And it was, it was really heavy on me. And so I wanted to say that, you know, Hey, we may be, you know, in sparkly costumes and prancing around to other people's music and what we're doing right is standing up and saying violence against our community is not okay will not be tolerated and you're not going to make us go away. Yeah. Right. It's almost so, starting it with that extra love, that kind of visibility, like we're here still. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, somebody came onto my porch this year and stole my pride flag. And so uh, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, I, it, it was two things. One, because you say like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody came onto my property in the middle of the night and tore this thing down as an act of violence against me. Um, and, but then I can also spin it as a way of, Hey, maybe it was somebody who just liked the flag and you know, didn't have one and they needed one. Right. So I can there you go. That, that way too. But I was like, you they know needed you it can, more than I did. They may, yeah. Maybe I, I can get another one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's that idea of like, you can steal my flag, but you're not going to steal my pride. You're not going to change the way I feel about myself, how important it is for the community to, you know, bond together during those moments. You, you, you can, take away my flag, but you can't take away that, so. I think that's such a fabulous perspective to think about in, in a <laughs> lot of different contexts. I, I really, really love that, this idea of like, well, go, go ahead and take one. I can always put one back out, but I'm still fabulous. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I, I adore that. Um, thanks for kind of <laughs> telling me more about that. I really do. Um, I'm kind of curious to know, because I know that you work with, you're one of very few, uh, and I wish more entertainers or nightlife people um, kind of geared their personas or part of their mission to how it impacts youth or queer youth. And I think that's a huge piece of what this podcast is about. Um, yeah. I think that you're extremely influential, and I think that you're um, genuinely very inspirational when it comes to your care and your approach to how you authentically talk to kids and just how you put yourself out there to queer youth as a whole or just kids in general and so um like why is there such a desire behind behind this passion or and like wh where did where did this involvement surely kind of play into that um well you know i'm uh in my day job, right, I'm a third grade teacher. So I have that desire to work with youth and, um, you know, educate and we inspire youth. That's what, you know, that's what teachers do on a daily basis. And so when Shirley came around, it seemed like a very natural transition for me to uh, continue that work and try to find a way how so how would Shirley fit in? Now, Shirley's never come to my classroom. No. <laughs> um, 
We've seen how that yeah. works out. Don't do it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, how long have you been a teacher versus how long have you been in drag? So um, let's, I was just doing the math. So I became, I, I, so before my full-time job as a teacher, I worked with, um, as a, a teaching artist for uh, six years, touring with uh, elementary, mostly, um, programs through the Denver Center and through Kaiser Permanente. We did big musical puppet shows and and, uh, kind of ethical debates with students um, in classrooms. So for, I started that, I started that in 2000. And then in 2006, uh, made the switch to becoming a teacher full-time. And uh, Shirley was born in February of 2011. So we're coming up to double digits, right? Shirley's 10th birthday is coming up soon. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to get myself a big fancy rainbow cupcake. You deserve it. <laughs> I do, I do. Thank you. Um, so I think, I, yes, I think that, I think the desire, um, I, I look at it as one, you know, we're, we're just out there as entertainers. So on one level, we're out there reading stories, dressing in, you know, colorful, fancy costumes, you know, uh, telling fun jokes or um, dancing around, you know, with music. And, and then sometimes we have everybody dance with us. So it's just a, f- a fun atmosphere. And then on, the, on, a, on a deeper level, we look at that as saying, hey, we're, we're introducing young people to, um, again, this representation, right? Because if, if drag performers or queer people are seen just as these stereotypical, flat, two-dimensional stereotypes, then, you know, when students or kids, I should say, when, when young people are kind of exploring their ideas of identity and, and sexuality, which everybody does, then, you know, they may have project, self-project, right? Shame um, or... I don't know what's the other word I'm looking for, but that, that idea like, oh gosh, you know, I hate this part of myself because the only people that I see that I can represent or are, sorry, can relate to are very stereotypical, you know, whatever the, the media portrays as. I don't, I don't see the people that I feel inside in a way. So I feel like exactly represent what I'm seeing. Right. So I, I look um, and I and I tell this during my story times is that when and everybody feels this way at some point we feel alone we feel uncertain we feel scared and when I what I say is I can read a book and I can find something or someone or some place that I can relate to and feel comfortable with or welcomed in and if I can start to identify those people places in stories then I can translate that and start to look around in my daily life and say, oh, wait a minute, this person looks like the person in my story. This person, you know, says the things that the person in my story says. This person identifies the way that person in my story does. Maybe that's somebody that I can, I can get to know. And maybe that, maybe there I will find someplace, a, a community, some place that I fit in, right? Yeah. The, I mean, the, that happened. That, that visibility is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, that happened in a huge way in the 60s and 70s with San Francisco. I mean, the word got out that, hey, this was a place, you know, that the Castro was a place that was safe 
for, for gay men, for lesbian women, you know, for trans people. And, you know, people started to flock there. And by doing so, right, found their tribe, found people like them, that people came from all over the world to go there. And so there's that idea as well, where, yes, it's about representation. It's about, you know, finding the people that you fit in with. It's about discovering yourself. And so I think there's a big piece of why Shirley really, I, I mean, I, I say that, hey, I would, I would love to be on RuPaul's Drag Race at some point, And my mission would be to be like, let's be the drag queen story time you know, queen that goes around. I don't need to go to all the bar shows. I don't need to do that. Uh, I would love to do the, let's everybody hire me to do the story times, right? You know, we go on a big story time tour around the world. Yeah, it's really actually a great idea too. Right? You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark, stamp it. Exactly. (laughs) I'm thinking like a big pink, you know, big pink glittery bus just kind of like priscilla but it's like oh the, the bookmobile right we go and read stories and hand out books to kids and kind of like that's Dolly such Burton a does. fabulous idea <laughs> and i can see you doing it there you go yeah <laughs> beep, beep. So, Rue, Rue, if you're listening no rue you are listening i know you are so yes. um, let's make it happen <laughs> wow oh my gosh that's such a great idea and i really hope that that can work like that happens i can literally see you with some musical horn driving down the down to a school and just handing out yeah. like i think that's so cool <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, you know, Ms. Shirley, uh, this segment, we don't have much more time, but I, I really want to thank you again for just coming and chatting with me for a couple of minutes. And I wanted to, to leave with asking you one final question, if that's okay. Sure. Um, you know, if you could leave any message uh, to anybody that's listening or watching, whether they be adults or queer youth or queer or not, um, what message would you leave that is on your mind now and in, in today's world? Well, you probably know what I'm going to say. Um, you know, I, I want everybody to, to, to live their life in a way that makes you proud, makes you happy, makes you uh, fully alive, you're fully authentic. Um, because, you know, in this pandemic, we realize that, hey, life is short and we get one shot. So uh, live your life in a way that, at the end of it, you and everybody you know can say, I love that story. I love that story of, you know, Miss Jessica's life. I love that story of Mr. Stewart's life. I love that story. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to not be without conflict or not can be without pain, but we want people to say, I love that story. I think that's absolutely wonderful and I, I love hearing it every single time and so um you know i think that it's going to impact a lot of people to to really take it to heart and, and feel and think that way because you're absolutely right this is the one chance that everybody gets yeah so. and, and it's interesting is like you know the the older you get you look back on your fears or the thing you know the, the things you were didn't do for whatever reason and you think oh I was, I was silly. Why, why was I so afraid of that? Why was I so concerned about that? You know, and you know, don't, yeah, don't live with regret. Get out there and do it. Be that person you, you want to be. You heard it here, folks. Do not live with regret. Get out there and do it. 
Yes, I love that story. And I love it too. And I love you very much, Miss Shirley. Thank you so much for joining me today on my first podcast coming out for Miss Jessica's hour. So what? I didn't know it was the first one. It's oh going to be goodness. the first one. Congratulations. When it, it's going to be released next week. And so the first guest on the Miss Jessica after school hour. And so uh, thank you very much. For... Yeah. And uh, that's all the time that we have. So uh, we'll, We'll see you next time, okay, Miss Shirley? Okay, thank you, Miss Jessica. All right, everybody. So for this part of Miss Jessica's after school hour, I wanted to provide just kind of a space to read some of my favorite books and stories and talk about some of the messages that come behind them. And so the book that I'm going to read today, and I'm going to try to give you the best visuals while you're listening here is You're Only Old Once by Dr. Seuss. And this is one of my favorite books. Your Only Old Ones by Dr. Seuss. One day you will read in the National Geographic of a faraway land with no smelly bad traffic. In those green pastured mountains of Fada Fafzi, everybody feels fine at a hundred and three cause the air that they breathe is potassium free and because they chew nuts from the toot a toot tree this gives me strength to their teeth it gives length to their hair and they live without doctors with nary a care And you'll find yourself wishing you were out there in Fada Fazi and not here in this chair. In the Golden Yerkes Clinic on Century Square for spleen readjustment and muffler repair. Just why are you here? You're not feeling your best. You've come in for an eyesight insolvency test. And if you're the type that gets finicky finick, at this point you'll try to get out of that clinic. But they will outwit you as quick as a winnick. The quiz does will catch you. They'll start questionnaireing. They'll ask you point blank. How are your parts are faring? And your grandfather's parts. And please try to recall if your grandma hurt most in the spring or the fall. Did your cousins have dreadful wild nightmares at night? Did they suffer such ailments as bus driver's blight? Chimney sweep stupor or prune picker's plight? 
and describe the main cause of your uncle's collapse. Too much alphabet soup or martinis, perhaps? And the next thing you know, you'll, when you've finished that test, is somehow you've lost both your necktie and vest. And an ogler is ogling your stomach and chest. You escape, your escape plans have melted. You haven't a chance. For the next thing you know, both your socks and your pants and your drawers and your shoes have been lost for the day. The oglers have blossomed like roses in May. And silently, grimly, they ogle away. What those oglers have learned, they're not ready to tell. Clinicians don't spout their opinions pell-mell. So you're back with the vestibule, fish for a spell. Norval won't bring you much comfort, you know, but he's quite sympathetic as clinic fish go. There, you'll sit several hours, growing tenser, tenser each second, fearing your fate will be worse than you reckoned, till finally, Miss Becker, your beckoned beckons. To a booth where the world-renowned earman Von Crandall has perfected a test known as bellows and candle. If the wind from the bellows can't blow out the flame, you failed and you're going to be sorry you came. You'll be told that your hearing's so murky and muddy, your case calls for special intensified study. They'll test you with noises from far and from near, and you'll get a black mark for the ones you can't hear. Then they'll say, My dear fellow, you're deafer than most, but there's hope, since you're not quite as deaf as a post. We'll study your symptoms, we'll give you a call. In the meantime, go back and sit down in the hall. So you'll find yourself talking to Norval once more, and Norval will think you're a bit of a bore, because Norval has heard the same stories before. To this fish you'll become a plain, plain, plain pain in the neck while you wait once again for Miss Becker to beck. But Miss Becker won't come with great swish and grace great swank a wheelchair will come you gain status and rank and weldon the wheeler will say with great pride you have qualified sir you are now certified as a vip case you're entitled to ride through thin and through thick i'll be at your backside Dear Weldon will show you with great sights as you go. Right now you are riding down Stethoscope Row. And I know that like all our top patients you're hoping to get yourself stretched with some fine first class scoping. 
So I'm sure you'll be simply delighted to hear that in the internal Organs Olympic last year, Dr. Schmidt, Schmidt, Sinatra, Sylvester, and Fons won 15 gold medals, 9 silver, 6 bronze. For the moment, however, we'll pass by this bunch. There's plenty of time to see them after lunch. You must see Dr. Pollen, our allergy whiz, who knows every sniffle and itch that there is. Dr. Pollen will find as he works on your case if the face powder's wrong on your stepsister's face. He will check your reaction to thumbtacks and glue, catcher's mitt, leaf mold, and cardigans too. Nasturisms and marble cake, white and blue chalks, anthretic coal and feathers of hawks. Also corn on the cob and buffalo grease and how you react when you start st when you're stared by at by geese he'll take copious notes then i'll hazard a guess that he'll send you downstairs to see dr van ness van ness has enjoyed a high rate of success in his pioneer work in the study of stress so you can't be sure he will stress you with trifle and then he'll add he'll send you around to see dr van eiffel dietitian van eiffel controls the woof whiffers our diet devising computerized sniffer on which you just simply lie down in repose and sniff at good food as it goes past your nose from caviar souffle to caribou roast, from pemmican patties to terrapin toast, he'll find out by sniff scan the foods you like most. And when that guy finds out what you like, you can bet it won't be on your diet from here on. Forget it. Then into the new wing, we'll see Dr. Speckles, who does the three Fs, footsies, fungus, and freckles. And nextly, we'll drop in on young Dr. Gins, an RA and S man who does antrums and shins. And of course, he'll refer us to Dr. McGrew, McGuire, and McPherson, and Blynn and Baloo and Timkins and Tompkins and Diller and Drew, Fitzsimmons, Fitzgeralds, Fitzpatricks too, all of whom will be prescribed a prescription for you. For your, for your fill drill, you'll go to room 66-3, where a voice will instruct you, repeat after me, this small white pill is what I munch at breakfast and write after lunch, I take the pill that's Kelly Green before each meal and in between. These long Loganberry colored pills I take for early morning chills. I take the pills with zebra stripes to cure my early evening gripes. These orange tinted ones, of course, I take to cure my Charlie horse. I take three blues at half past eight 
to show my exaltation rate on alternative nights at 9 p.m. I swallow pinkies four of them the reds which make my eyebrows strong I eat like popcorn all day long the speckled brows are what I keep beside my bed to help me sleep this long flat one is what I take if I should die before I wake when at last <clears throat> When at last we are sure you've been properly pilled, then a few paper forms must be properly filled so that you and your hairs may be properly filled. Whereupon, if you're smart, there's a very good chance that you'll meet soon enough again with your socks, coats, and pants. And you'll know once your neck ties back under your chin that Norval has waved you Godspeed with his fin. You're in pretty good shape for the shape you are in. And that is Your Only Old Once by Dr. Seuss. And I really like this book because I think that there's a lot of fear when you're growing up about getting old and what that looks like or when you're a kid that's all you want to do is grow up so fast and you want things to happen so fast and then when you get there you realize all the time that has passed I feel like Dr. Seuss all the time that has passed that you could have put into other things and you could have spent with people and so I think that this is a reminder that everyone is going to get old and go through all of the the weird processes of like pills and you know back aches and things like that and hurting your knee but right now for those of you that are listening hopefully you're a kid you're young you're thriving you're you're vibrant you're creative you have the potential to do everything and anything and so making sure that you don't waste this opportunity while you can because you're only old once but you're also only young once but don't fear it it's part of the process and it's pretty cool it's just all in good time and in good taste and in good measure thank you all so much for watching and or for listening and uh, we're gonna have another story every single time on the miss jessica after school hour Hi, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed your show, your podcast for today. Uh, you know, the intention of this was just to make sure that everybody had a kind of outlet for that after school program, after school show kind of feel uh, to leave yourself feeling even better than you did when you started listening to get the perspectives of some of the positive people in our community that are making a difference to let you stop settle down and kind of step back as the the queer youth of this community you have the power to shape and change what is going to happen and and what your aspirations are going to achieve moving forward and just know that you're beautiful you are loved you're valid i can't say that enough in this podcast and in this show moving forward so thank you so much for listening you can tune in to miss jessica's after school special as often as we can every single week and we will see you next time bye everybody have a great rest of your day